If you can turn with me to Daniel 7. We're going to start reading in verse 9. I kept looking until the thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing, and coming out before him, thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body was destroyed, and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away. But an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. What we just read sounds like something out of Revelation, right? And I love how um, this passage, written roughly 700 years before what we're going to study today, which is Revelation 4, um, it just speaks of the inerrancy of Scripture. It, it speaks of God's perfection. And if we're believers, we believe that God's word is God-inspired. And he was telling us then that he's been, t he's been telling the same story from bookend to bookend. And ultimately, I love how perfectly this correlates, uh, Daniel correlates with Revelation and why we're studying the two together. So now turn to Revelation 4 with me. And I just have a question for everybody. So what would you all that know me here call my normal title as far as the ministry that I lead here at Cornerstone? Go ahead. Music. Music. Worship. Worship. Okay. Anything else? No? All right. We're going to learn today how, how wrong, because usually the title is worship leader that I get called, um, but how wrong that is. Because how right it is, but wrong it is too, because I do lead worship typically here. Um, I do lead the music team. But Jeff Abney, when he came up here and read God's word, also led worship. Right? Hannah on the piano was leading worship. You guys, when you guys were talking amongst each other before we all sat down, believe it or not, we're worship leaders. When you got your kids ready for church today, you're still worship leaders. We are all actually worship leaders. The real question is, who or what are we worshiping? So we're going to see a really cool picture today of what I believe needs to be our key question, which is, what does true worship look like? Um, the context, I, I, I think it's important to note that where we left you in Revelation was chapters 2 and 3, which is really talking about um, God's message. And you can just imagine John writing as fast as he can, but John, uh, God's message to the seven churches. If we jump forward to chapter 5, we see where the, the book of the Lamb was open. But we can almost argue that this little chapter, chapter 4, I mean, you could actually skip chapter 4 altogether and not even really notice it, but I'm convinced that it's here for a reason because Revelation is heavy, right? 
There's a lot of heavy things in there. So I love how the Lord gives us, and you'll see this in like pockets of times in Revelation where the Lord gives us this little glimpse of glory, which is why it's the title of our message, A Glimpse of Glory, where it's almost like you're saying, okay, yeah, I know that was heavy to the seven churches. We're about to get really heavy where we see actually John in chapter five weeping because no one's worthy to open up this book of the seven seals. And then the Lamb of God steps in and goes, I've got this, and opens it up. And it's, it, we see some really heavy chapters after that. So it's really neat to see this little glimpse here where the guy goes, hold on, back up. Let's remember why you're here. Yes, I know that you're still on earth, so worship me. So let's jump in. Chapter 4, verse 1. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet, speaking with me, said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. We're going to see uh, to the answer of what does true worship look like, that it starts with our heart's posture, our walk. This scene of, of God opening up this door to John, and remember, he's still on the island of Patmos, so that's, that's why I love that he throws in there that I was immediately in the spirit because he wasn't physically in heaven. This is the Lord giving him a vision. But I love how the Lord says, come up here. I'm going to show you things that need to take place. And so I get a, a picture of, even though that's in heaven, yes, this is what we need to be doing with our hearts on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, that we need to be preparing our hearts for worship. And again, worship can look like what we've been doing, or it can look like when our kids misbehave, right? Are we going to worship through that? Are we going to worship through all the hard times as well? But if you notice in, that, in this picture that Christ is, the, is, is in the center of this throne room, you can almost imagine that there's this big throne in the middle um, with this rainbow around it, right? You know, as beautiful as John just described. And these 24 elders' thrones all around it, you know, facing the Lord's throne. And I, I love this image because Christ needs to be in the center of our hearts. And if he is in the center of our hearts, that we will know what direction he wants us to go. Again, God tells John, come up here. He gives him straight directions, right? I'll show you what must take place after these things. And then John was immediately in the spirit. So I'm going to take this really quickly. It's going to come up on the screen. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. This is for Christians, right? This is for those of us who know the Lord, that if we are already walking with the Lord, we can actually almost audibly hear him say, go. This is where you need to go. Or no, don't go there. Do you ever hear that? If you don't, you should be concerned. I'm just going to be honest. But if you do hear it, do you, do, you, do you trust him and do you obey him in it? I can't tell you how many times the Lord tells me, go there or speak to this person or don't do that. And I completely do the opposite of what he tells me to do. Yeah, I hear it. Do I trust him and do I obey him? If we jump up to verse 18 in Isaiah 30, it says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you and waits on high to have compassion on you. So even though he is giving us instruction, he loves us. He wants to give us that direction. He wants to see us be used by him. 
So in today's question, what does true worship looks like? Again, we, we started with it, it. We learned that it, it starts with our heart's posture. It starts with our heart. And it continues with where our focus is. So let's move to, to verse 5. Out from the throne comes flashes of lightning and, th- and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes, in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf. The third creature like the face of that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night... They do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. I love that scene. I I love that you can tell that the focus is still on God. He is still in that central throne, right? And as if that's not... Um, as if his throne wasn't big enough, as if, you know, the, the elders' thrones around him being facing him, and even these four creatures flying around him and seeing this song wasn't big enough, he decided to go ahead and let lightning and thunder come out of that throne. Obviously, he needs to be the central focus, right? We also learn that God is their central and only focus. I mean, it says that they do not cease. They never stop. Day and night, they never sleep. Their entire life's mission is to worship God. Nothing else matters. So I get it. I, even, as I, even as I study this, I'm thinking, okay, but Lord, this is, this is heaven. I mean, what else is there to do, right? I mean, just to sit there and worship you. That's what we're told. But I'm going to share a story with you. I'm going to uh, actually embarrass Daniel Hopkins up here because um, he in a moment that he didn't even realize he was doing this, taught me what worship was. So he came over to pick up his daughters, I'm sorry, his daughter, who, were hanging out with, who was hanging out with my daughters one Saturday. And I was out there, I was shoveling rock, I was actually re-landscaping my backyard, and I got one of those earth mover shovels. And if you guys don't know what that is, it's basically like a snow shovel that can fit like four full shovelfuls of rock. And so one is very heavy. I had gotten all the way around the entire yard and I was about to die, I was done. Dan comes to pick up um, Addie, and he shares with me what the Lord taught, you know, shared with him in the morning, and he, he even shared with him what, um, I think he even prayed with me. I'm like, okay, dude, that's great, but I'm dying, I'm tired. And so he's like, all right, well, I gotta go, man, have a good day, God bless. I'm like, okay, good. So he, he starts to walk away, and I'll never forget, he turns around, and he goes, isn't it cool? I'm like, what's cool? That's hot, I'm tired. He's like, it's just you and God out here. Like, you, you get to, while you're, while you're landscaping your yard, you just get to worship God. Anyway, have a good day. Bye. And he goes back inside. I'm like, dude, I, that's cool. But yeah, that is not what I'm feeling right now. Um, but I'm like, okay, I, 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 I teach this to my team, and I, I'm always kind of, you know, I need to practice what I preach kind of a guy. So I decided to give it a try. So I'll never forget, I was hovering over my shovel, and I literally was just physically exhausted. I remember that last shovel full before he came out, I was, I mean, it took everything I had to get that into the wheelbarrow. I'm like, okay, God, if, if you supernaturally give me the strength, the physical strength that I need to finish this job, I promise to worship you through this whole thing. And so first shovel full, second shovel full, third shovel full. Guys, I probably had, honestly, a couple hours, a few hours worth of work left. 
I don't know how long it took me, honestly, but I remember worshiping the Lord all the way through it to the point of I get that last wheelbarrow full and I throw it in the pile and I'm like, I'm done. It, it's just shoveling rock, don't get me wrong, but I literally promise you I worship the Lord all the way through it. And what Dan taught me was worship isn't getting up on a Sunday and singing. Worship isn't even doing what I'm doing. It is, but it's, it's worshiping the Lord through every moment of every day. So I was really convicted by that. I come in, I tell my family, I'm done, I did it all, but it wasn't me, it was the Lord and Dan who was, you know, used by the Lord to, to help me through it. So um, just a cool, I think, practical example of what worship needs to look like in our life. I think it's important to note that when we're in heaven, we're not going to be doing what these four creatures were doing the whole time, okay? And we're not going to be doing what we just read in Isaiah um, that before we even started. But because I, I think, honestly, when we look at that, we're like, man, okay, we're going to be sitting around the throne just saying, holy, 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 that's cool. I want to worship God, but is that really practical? So I'm, we're going to turn really quickly to Genesis 1. It should come up on the screen, but you can turn there too. So Genesis 1. And we're going to start in verse 26. And God's word says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And to every beast of the sky, and to every bird of the sky, I'm sorry, for every beast of the earth, and every bird of the sky, to every thing that moves on the earth, which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, we're not, none of us are 100% certain what we're going to be doing on this new heaven and new earth when the Lord comes back. But that was God's perfect plan for creation. So it might look like we might be worshiping the Lord, saying, holy, 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 in our faces flat on, on the ground, just like these elders did following suit with these um, four creatures. It might look like seeing, it might look like sharing God's word um, or just listening to God and just being at his feet, which I can't wait to do. But it might look like shoveling rock. It might look like subduing the earth like he commands Adam and Eve to do, Right? So we, we, we should remember that. So we've learned so far that true worship starts with our heart's posture. And actually, I'm going to take a quick moment there because I forgot to do this, that our heart's posture doesn't look like what Dan did where he came out and immediately felt like he needed to share God's word and, and, and um, convict me of worshiping the Lord through shoveling rock. It doesn't even look like, um, you know, what we've seen so far up here. It starts with a daily walk with the Lord. And I know that our preacher gets up and just about every Sunday uh, toots his horn about a daily walk with the Lord, but I can guarantee you that like a brother prayed this morning that 
the armor that he had this week, if it wasn't for the armor, the attacks of the enemy would have been so much worse. And I've been thinking about that armor just through a men's study that uh, I'm a part of. And you cannot walk through this life. You cannot and not have that armor. I, I, it, I can't imagine not being saved, not even having the ability to put the armor on for that matter. But I've been putting it on for so many years. I can't imagine going through the week that we had. The week that I know that I heard that Mr. Dan Siddler and his family had, like last week. Like, can you imagine going through life without that armor of God? It's there for a reason, but you don't get it by just throwing it on. You get it by the daily in the word with the Lord. It continues with where our focus is. And then it also extends through humbly following God. And we're going to see that in verses 9 through 11 in Revelation 4. When the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne. We're going to pause there. And I love how there's this picture of these elders and, and we, we believe that God's word is perfect. And he specifically mentioned these four creatures before he mentions these elders as far as their act of worship, right? So it's almost this picture of um, a music team leader, right? Um, there's these four creatures that are worshiping. There's these, these elders all around, these 24, 24 elders going, man, and they're seeing this light, or hearing the lightning, seeing the, uh, <laughs> seeing the lightning, hearing the thunder, um, and, and they fall flat on their face. And wouldn't you? I mean, it, I, I love that picture because they are following the leadership of these four creatures. It just reminds me of the leadership of Cornerstone. I love our leadership. I love that the heart of our pastor specifically um, is never, it's going to be my way or the highway. It's always a collaborative effort um, to make sure that all of our hearts are moving closer to the Lord. And if it's not, then we'll make adjustments, right? So my question is, is God on the throne of your heart? When we see this scene, obviously, that God is the central throne, clearly that is the focus of this entire message. Is he on the throne of your heart? Or do you have other things? I admit that I've been guilty of all these things being on, my, on the throne of my heart. Is it your career, your bank account, your spouse, your kids, sadly, your social media status? That's been on my heart, right? But I think an important thing to reflect on is that when other things are on the throne of our heart, they're causing us to derail God. I can't remember where I saw this, but I saw, I saw someone get, get up and talk about God being on the throne of your heart. And just imagine a little Holy Spirit on the throne of your little heart, right? And as soon as we put something on the throne of our heart, it's like we've just flicked God off and go, okay, nope, I want this on the throne of my heart. This is me right now. It's all about me. And sadly, even though the Lord does end up on the throne of my heart, it's often that I have to fight through getting rid of my flesh to just put him back on that throne. And yet he's been there the whole time going, I'm just, I'm here, I'm waiting, I want, I want to use you, but I can't when you put other things on the throne of your heart. But if we're essentially focused on ourselves, then we can't do that. Back to that scene of, again, the, the, the four creatures and, you know, worshiping the Lord. 
and then these 24 elders following suit. I love how that's just a perfect picture of leading music, which is what I do get to do on um, mainly a weekly basis. And I got to thinking of just how it's just a phenomenal picture of following a music leader and um, worshiping the Lord for who he is. But then I got to think of all just so many things I've heard about music of it's too loud, it's too quiet, the songs are too new or too old. And, and even myself, I've even been guilty of that. I've told the sound guys, turn the bass up or turn the drums down or whatever it might be. And, and yet, if, if I'm really um, going to practice what I preach here, again, all of that is centralized to myself. I don't care if Kyle was totally off key the whole time he's saying, the question becomes, am I worshiping the Lord for who he is? Or am I worshiping him for who, what I'm hearing or what I'm seeing or how I'm feeling at the moment? I'm convinced that when you find a Christian who is serving and worshiping God for who he is, God is, and not what they're getting out of it, you can't buy or sell that Christian. Their foundation is solid. I'm going to read that one more time because I apologize. I didn't give it to the guys. Put it in the notes here um, for the screen. So when you find a Christian who is serving and worshiping God for who he is, who God is, and not what they're getting out of it, you can't buy or sell that Christian. Does that describe you? It doesn't always describe me. Continuing in verse 10, where I stopped you, we'll start in the beginning. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. I love this image of these 24 elders. Imagine the crown that they had on their head. Like, the Bible describes it as golden crowns. I mean, it had to be pretty cool to have a golden crown on your head. But when they're worshiping the Lord, they fall flat on their face. They're worshiping God for who he is. They join these four creatures, and they sing to the Lord as well and worship him, and they willingly give up their crowns. It's a great picture of humility. So I'm convinced we need to humbly give up our things and our rights. How many, things do we, how many times do we say, oh, that's mine, or well, that's not fair, or wait, that doesn't work with my schedule. It's a great picture of humility. They're acknowledging that it's his gifts initially and that they've done nothing to earn it. And that's what we need to be doing. We, need to, we acknowledge that everything we have, the clothes on our back, the car we drive, the money in our bank account, the house that we have over our heads, the roof we have over our heads, such a blessing, right? That they're gifts from the Lord. So what are you withholding from God? Is it sin? What's that one sin you just keep going back to? Proverbs 26, 11 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. It's an ugly picture, right? Revelation 3, 15 and 16 talks about how the Lord would rather you be cold or hot because when you're lukewarm, he wants to vomit you out of his mouth. I confess I've been there. So is fear or anxiety holding you back? 2 Timothy 1.7, we, we, we quote this often in our house. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything and by prayer, in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your, let your requests be made known to God. 
as the music team comes up, there's been a lot of questions today, and I don't apologize for that. I kept asking, Lord, Lord, okay, it, this is a lot to chew on, so I just challenge you guys, and anybody who would want my notes and want these questions directly sent to you, let me know. Um, I do challenge you to chew on them as much as possible. But we looked at today of what does true worship look like? But I want you to really focus on your heart's posture, your walk with Christ. How is it? Do you need to set your alarm for 30 minutes earlier tomorrow morning? Because you know that you struggle with finding time throughout the day to just read God's word? Get an accountability partner and tell them, hey, I need you to text me at 5.30. I apologize to my accountability partner because I haven't been doing that every single day, even though he's asked me to. But it helps, right? Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. Proverbs talks about iron sharpening iron. Okay? God's word is, is not in there by a mistake. We need to claim these truths and we need to own them. What are you focused on? Are they truly eternal things? I, really? I mean, when you walk out of here and you go out your day, are you focused on eternal things? Even as you guys decide what you're going to do for lunch. Are the kids laying down for a nap? What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Are they centrally God-focused? Is he on the throne of your heart? And I don't mean, are you saved? I mean, is he on the throne of your heart? You can ask my sweet family, who underwent so much in the last couple of weeks. Um, I love how Jeff... <laughs> Docus brought it up to me. He goes, yeah, I was maybe asked to preach, you know, soon. And he goes, I, I have to actually say, well, hold on. What's going on with my family right now? Are we really prepared? And I didn't quite get what he meant until this week. And man, there's just, they're, they're just supernatural stuff that just came up. But I can honestly say that 99 times out of 100, which are probably at least 100 times, where I just came into the room and said, okay, We've got to realize this is spiritual attack. Do we really believe Ephesians 6? That right before the armor of God says that this battle is not with flesh and blood, guys. It's not. And so if he's on the throne of your heart and you're centrally focused on him, it is actually a little easier to go, man, that was huge. I can't believe that just came out of that person's mouth and I can't believe I just saw this happen. But God is on the throne of heaven and he's on the throne of my heart. So there's something bigger here going on than what I'm seeing or hearing. Lastly, that last question of what are you withholding from God? I'll be honest with you guys, that is probably one of the most convicting questions to me throughout this entire message. Um, First Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that we will all do everything to your glory that we will literally look at every moment of our life and when things are going perfectly, when things are not going perfectly, 
that will give you praise and glory for it. That will thank you. I, I thank you for the moment where things just happened this week that I just shook my head and yet was able to smile and go, Lord, thank you. Because this means that the devil is not liking this and I love kicking him in his teeth. I love the fact that you trust me enough, Lord, to use me. Yes, Lord, to bring this message, but to lead my family. To lead men on a weekly basis. To even lead how I act and interact, my testimony at, at, at work. So, Father, I pray right now that you will rise up, men and women, for you, that you will wake us up out of our seats, Lord, that we will leave this place changed, convicted, not because of what I'm saying, but because of what your message is, because of what your Holy Spirit is doing in their hearts. Convict us, God. Father, I pray that I thank you for my children because as I press on them to live for you, Lord, every single time you convict me of how I need to practice when I'm preaching. So thank you for those kids. Lord, I love you and I do pray that if there's anyone in here who does not know you and quite possibly listened to everything that came out of my mouth and was just going, man, what is with these creatures with eyeballs all over them and has different faces and what, what are they talking about? That's okay. Because your word says the cautious foolishness to those who are perishing. That doesn't make sense. But Lord, I pray that they see you on your throne. I pray that that was the central focus. I pray that that, that is the only thing that they can remember. And that they need to find out what that's about. So I pray that they, they ask the person who brought them. I pray that they ask me. I pray that they ask someone else. Um, or just simply go to your word, Lord, and come to know you. I love you, Lord. And I thank you. I pray these things in your name. Amen.